Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill. And I'm sitting here with my longtime friend, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Yes, it's good to have you back, Bill. I'm glad you kicked that COVID. Glad you got past it. Did you make it back to church? I made it back to church. Well, let's see. I hadn't been all month. I had the COVID, and then I was before that I was doing the uh, middle school ministry. But I made it back. Yesterday, this is cool. I I put it on the uh, Guardians of Grace Facebook page. Or oh, one wow. of them. Cool. Our memory verse. You know how we do uh, a memory verse every month at the church. Yeah, at the church, and you're supposed to memorize it. I guess you should memorize it. Yeah. Think about it. Uh, this this week they went for two verses. It was. Out of Lamentations, see if I can remember it. The Lord, it was 325 and 26. And it was, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Amen. Did did you recognize one of those words? (laughs) One of them is goodbye, isn't it? Kabbalah, yeah. To wait. To wait. To intertwine. To intertwine. The the famous one from Isaiah 40. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength or it's literally exchange their strength. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's that word. And if the definition was entwined together. Like like, braided or intermingled become one rope and I looked it up in the Septuagint and well there was two weights the Lord is good to those who wait for him to the soul who seeks him what do we know about people seeking God you've got to wait (laughs) well we know that there's none who seek him no not one so it can't be a human effort he can't be saying humanly wait on the Lord you can't we've never gotten credit for doing that no one seeks after God no one Romans 3.10 so this is telling us to seek after God and yet no one seeks after God no one gets your seeking is as a filthy rag it's it's not going to happen Yes. And then it goes on to say the other one quietly waits on him. And I think that one was our Hooperminnow. Abides. Abides in him. Under abides. That's what he said. Abide in me and I abide in you. And you'll bear much much fruit. fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. nothing. So it's vitally important to wait on the Lord. Can be done no other way. 
not any other way can it you get it the, whatever the task is or whatever the verb is accomplished so the Lord is good to those who wait for him so I'll say it like this the I am is good to those who entwine together with him they're the ones that exchange their strength which they can't wait for him Mm -hmm. they can't seek him entwine it with his strength which always waits on the Lord didn't Jesus say I do nothing except what I see the father doing only what I see him doing through me is all I do and so you get the picture there that in the New Testament, we have our our word, if the eye is single, pleco, and it means the same thing. If the eye is the lamp of the body, that's phos, where we get phos is the root word for all the things we've been talking about for the last six weeks. The phos is, is the word, yeah. It's okay. in, Phanerons, Phaneru, mm-hmm. Phaneo, all those words are translated as manifestations, as a noun, manifestation, manifest as a verb, and manifestation as an adjective, a manifestation of God, to manifest God as verb, and manifestation of God as a noun. They're all Summarized in what we've been talking about the last six weeks or, or so. So it says it's good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And that salvation, Hebrew, it's Yeshua. And in the Greek, Yeshua is the name of Jesus. And it's his name literally means salvation so those who wait on the Lord are delivered by the Lord those who entwine themselves with the Lord are saved saved and and it's literally they didn't have the idea of being saved from hell back then they were being saved from their enemies or bad crops or just day to day salvations in a situation they found themselves in and now we know that we're saved from ourselves ultimately and I think I see the Lay Lee doctrine in here too mm. wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord mm-hmm. not use your words yeah but wait quietly <laughs> and twine together Lightly waits quietly for the salvation of Steve so that Christ will start speaking through Steve and he'll quit putting his foot in his mouth. Otherwise, she could just easily be saying, wait, Steve. Well, yeah, don't, don't say, say anything. anything. Just, just be, be quiet, quiet and wait for God to speak through you. And then you'll get the words of Christ, which always edify and build up, provide help, provide wisdom those are all manifestations of his word and they're they're all done by waiting right yes they're all done by intertwining 
intertwining. And in the in the New Testament Greek, they're all we should have the single eye. If we have the single eye, that's that pleco word, entwined together seeing, then our whole body is full of light. Our whole body is full of the Greek word phos, which is where we get all of our manifestations. I just was amazed that when I saw that and I heard your podcast in 1 Corinthians 12, is it 12, 7 that it talks about the Man, different the manifestations different. Of, of the spirit? Yeah, yeah. And you guys, let me take a minute to apologize for the quality of last week's podcast. I do not know what happened, but something was malfunctioning during that podcast. And I listened to the podcast and it was just horrible. And I wholeheartedly apologize for it and I take full responsibility I messed up the podcast somehow hopefully I'll get better at it but somehow I messed it up and didn't realize it and I apologize for it that won't happen again Lord willing James 4.15 the first Corinthians is it 12.7 yes you, you have it in front you know it yeah 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 but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Okay, so let me look that up. 12, 7 is given the manifestation, and that one is a noun, and it's phaneros. And it's just defined as manifestation. So they did good. Yeah, yeah. But it comes from phaneru, which is the verb for manifestation. So a manifestation noun, and now when you quietly wait on the Lord entwined, you see a verb manifestation. You start manifesting. Yes. And then the... And then we get phaneros, which is, I think that one's an ad, adjective, yeah. It's to render apparent. That's that, that word that we get when we say, it, it's of such a quality that it has to be a manifestation a, a, as an adjective of Christ. We're seeing Christ. And all those words come from the Greek word phos as their base. And that simply means light, which goes back to what Jesus said in Matthew 6. The eye is a lamp of the body. And that's that word phos. And then it says if the eye is single, the whole body is filled with light and the, the contrast would be Sue. If it's not, then the whole body is filled with darkness. That's why God shined his light in our dark hearts, in our hearts. Second Corinthians 4. Right. To give us the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And we have this treasure in jars of clay that the excellency of the power would be seen of God and not of us and 
it's not the word seen of us. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> but it, it's in such a way that people see this manifestation, this foss, this light, and they they recognize that it did not come from Steve. And then it has to be readily apparent that it's of God, that people are seeing God. And then when you get down to 12, well, after what you reviewed, after what you taught last week, we saw that there's not a person that has all the manifestations, but God designed it in such a way that this person has this manifestation, this person has this manifestation, this one has another one, and this one has another one, but they're all put together for the whole of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is described in the same chapter, right? When you get past 11, you get to 12, which says the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts. It's still one body. It's safe to say that since it's the body of Christ, you're seeing different manifestations of the body of Christ in individuals. It's a little bit of a stretch, but in Galatians, remember Paul is just wailing on the Galatians for thinking they can, what, make these manifestations in their own human effort. Yeah. They can manifest without entwining. Right. They can manifest without waiting. Just determination. Just go do it. Yeah. What what needs to be done? Mm -hmm. Evangelize the whole city? Yeah. I'm on it. I'm on it. Yeah. Anything else? That's it? Just that? Right. Yeah. Well, if you don't entwine with the Lord, it says the the body's just full of darkness. If you don't entwine, if you don't exchange your strength with his, if you don't entwine with him, you grow weary. You'll, You'll faint. But those who entwine with him renew their strength and we have the they'll mount up as wings of an eagle. Then what's that a picture of? Isn't that the Holy Spirit? Isn't that what the whole manifestation of the Spirit is? Wiggle, eagle's wings that that soar. And from what I understand, eagles don't put a lot of effort when they fly. In fact, they, they do physically... Wait, I know nothing about eagles. I just I've heard all this from other people, and I think it's true. They will wait for the what the wind, the pneumos to be right. They will wait for the spirit to happen before they take off and and fly. Yeah, for those of you do, that don't know this, the pneumos is the same word wind or spirit. Yes. So an eagle waits on the spirit. And if we wait on the spirit, then we're entwining with the spirit's strength. We're coasting. Coasting effortlessly. But if we do it without waiting and just try to, uh, (laughs) in our own human effort, 
there's a lot of flapping of the wings and what happens you I'm sure you get tired after a while if you're an eagle. Human effort, you, you definitely get tired. There was a common term in the 80s, I remember. It was just called spiritual burnout. And there's actually no such thing. as The spirit never burns, burns out. out. But boy, does our flesh burn out quick, fast, and in a hurry with, with human effort. But Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Was I've been I'm dead yet I live. The life I live in the body. Some translations say body. Some translations say flesh. Maybe you could explain the different meanings of flesh. It all comes from the Greek word sarx or sarcukus in. Sarks can mean all mankind, it can mean people, it can mean human nature, it can mean your skin, your flesh, it can mean the meat on your arm, your flesh. It has all those different meanings, but it all comes from the same Greek word, sarts, and a lot of translators will translate it just by saying flesh and expect you to know all that about the, the flesh, or other translations will translate it by the way it's being used in that passage. I've found about half of them say the life I live in the body. And then there's some that are literal flesh. But the flesh they're talking about is not the said nature of flesh. It's it, talking about the body. And it's obvious because he's talking about I've been crucified with Christ nevertheless I live but the life I do live now in this body can't be mine because I've been crucified at least in God's eyes I've been crucified with Christ so he says the life I now live in the flesh which could a lot of translations say body vessel could be a good word I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me as opposed to faith in the Son of God, because E-N is not there. It's the faith of the Son of God, or the faithfulness of the Son of God. Yeah, there isn't, there's not an N there, there's not an E-N, there's not a preposition at all, but you can get the way to translate it. It's in the dative case, which would be, it's the for the direct object, so it's literally the life I now live, I live by faith, the direct object of the Son of God. The so direct object possesses it. The direct object. So he's living by the faith of the Son of God, not his faith in God. Just It's the same thing as Hebrews 11, the classic Hall of faith. faith. Yeah. And it just goes on to list all the people that good, did good things. It lists all the people that conquered kingdoms and did amazing things. Mm-hmm. And it always gives the credit to faith, not a human source. It didn't say by, by Noah he did this or by Moses he did this. It said by faith they, they did, did this. And what is faith but 
we just learned from 1 Corinthians 12, 7, that faith is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. So the evidence of things not seen is a good definition for manifestation. And Hebrews 11 is talking about by manifestation of the Holy Spirit, they did this. By manifestation of the Holy Spirit, Joshua did this. It's funny how all the word of faith, prosperity people don't read the full chapter of (laughs) Hebrews 11 because (laughs) it starts saying some were destitute and yeah. they live by faith. That doesn't really fit that if you have your if you muster up your faith, you'll never be poor, you'll pay your bills. And it puts that stigma on a person that struggles financially. That the church will just look at him and go, He must just lack faith. Why doesn't he just tithe yeah. and have faith? Yeah. Like or me? they're sinning the king. I mean they or there rumors about you. Yeah. He must be, something must be going on in his marriage because mm-hmm. he can't pay his bills. Right. Something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yet Paul said those same, same things. And one of my favorite ones, he says, having nothing yet possessing what? All. All. When you have faith, when you have the faith of the Son of God, which is what Paul's talking about in Galatians 2.20, the life I live, I live literally by the faithfulness of the Son of God. You do have it all. But can we go to 1 Corinthians 12? Yes. 12? Yeah. Do you want me to read it or anything? Yeah, this is the life he lives in the body. Mm-hmm. Paul is talking about his his own body, and he's also talking about the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to get a running start at it. I'll do verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each individually just as the Spirit wills. For even as the body is one, yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are of one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all made to drink of the same Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. So when I see a manifestation in the spirit from a guy named Joe, say, and I see a manifestation of the spirit from a girl named Lisa, so I'm seeing a manifestation of Christ in different people. And it's just told me that even though there's different many members it's one body so when any individual manifests Christ it's a manifestation of Christ and not their great faith because Paul just made it clear I've been crucified with Christ so his faith is dead the life I live I live by 
the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I don't frustrate the grace of God, is what the King James says, because if righteousness could be obtained by the law, Christ died in vain. Christ did not die in vain. He died to pay for the sins of the whole world. So after that, in a clean vessel body, he could send back his spirit into the many-membered body of Christ, which is what this 1 Corinthians 12, 12 uh, to the end of the chapter is talking about. So we're seeing manifestations of the body of Christ, just the same way we saw manifestations of the body of Christ in his earth when he walked this planet. He did healings. He did all these things. And Jesus had the same thing. Did he ever do anything unless he saw the Father doing it? Never. So everything Jesus did, he, he showed us the, the, the same good example. He waited on his Father and he waited on the Spirit before he did anything. Why should we think we were, were any different? If we're part of the body of Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always going to use the same plan. He's going to rely on God in him to do through him what he's doing through you. Which, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever came, comes from the same Hebrew letter after he's talking about uh, all these people living by the faithfulness of Christ. And then it goes on. The next chapter, it might be one more chapter over, where he says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then he starts giving some encouragement about not fainting and pressing on. But he gives that as not as a, come on, man, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. He's, he's doing it from the same perspective of waiting on the Lord. Exchange your strength. He's not saying, come on, man, you got to keep going. You got to endure. He's saying, no, continue waiting on the Lord. Just as you received him, continue to walk in him. You, you received him by really his faithfulness. So why do you think God changed the, uh, the game plan after you received that? That's Galatianism. That's it is. After beginning by depending on the Spirit, are you now going to go? Okay, I got it now. I don't need the Spirit anymore. No one says that, but really, that's what they're saying Doing. with their actions. Yeah. Yes. It's what I did. Yeah. It led to burnout and a lot of frustrations. Failure. Failure which led to me quitting, led to me becoming a really incredible phony, too, because I, I would not, I didn't want people to think great of me. I just didn't want them to think horrible of me. Mm -hmm. So I would, I learned the Christianese jargon and could say it all the time, even though I didn't know about waiting on the Lord and depending on the Lord. That's why I'm so 
it's so important for me to, to share what I know, not because I know a lot, because I know how helpful it is to wait on the Lord. So not knowing that, I hated the condemnation, so I would just fudge my resume to a, <laughs> to a degree. Not to get recognition, but just not to get condemned. Christians can be pretty mean. Christians can become Pharisees. I noticed something in sort of a different subject, but the same principle. I love the the parable of the the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost sons. And it's all one parable. But there's a sentence that's, it says, and all the tax collectors and sinners were coming to Jesus and the Pharisees saw this and they said he receives sinners face to face then it says so Jesus told this parable Jesus told this parable was linked to the way the Pharisees viewed people Jesus viewed the Pharisees as people that did not wait on the Lord. They went ahead in their own strength and they, through pure human effort, they would, these guys were tithers. They would, they would tithe on their spices. <laughs> not sure how you do that. <laughs> Take a little razor blade and start dividing up your parsley. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, it says that though it does in Matthew 23 23 I think that can creep into that same Phariseeism can creep into the church and Phariseeism is all because you're not waiting on the Lord you're not exchanging strength because once you do you'll do what we love to see you'll start manifesting Christ. You'll start manifesting the spirit of Christ. Which is the essence of the whole new covenant. That is what this new covenant, that's why he made a new covenant. He literally said, I'm going to make a new covenant where you manifest the spirit from now on. That's what new covenant I'm going to make with you. I'm going to put my spirit in you and cause you to manifest it and it is going to live the righteous Christian life through you and you'll get credit for what it does when it manifests itself it made me think of when the law was given for the first time in Exodus and it's, it says let me read this passage in Exodus 24 7-9 it's right before when Moses goes up the mountain to, to receive the law and it says Moses and Aaron Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel went up on the mountain and they saw the God of Israel under his feet there was something like pavement made of sapphire clear like the sky itself that's describing a lot of light really what it is and that part was 
expected. But this next sentence says, so they're up on the mountain and they see God and it says this, but he did not lay a hand on the leaders of the Israelites. So they saw God and they ate and they drank. In other words, that's covenant fellowship. Why would they write that? Because that standard, it was written because it was not was what was expected. And then when the law was given, it says they were quaking and shaking and trembling, and they asked God not to speak anymore. So you have a contrast between approaching God outside of the law. Outside of the law, it says they ate and they drank with God fellowship covenant fellowship sharing a meal and he did not lay a hand on them to harm them now the pharisees they could not stand jesus because he did this with tax collectors and sinners it says he ate and drank with them in other words jesus had fellowship covenant fellowship with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes and they looked upon that with disgust and so Jesus told them these these parables explaining the value of any person on, on the planet they're worth saving they're, they have value the value is his life inside of them that you cannot see unless it's manifest or unless you're Jesus. So did Jesus wink at sin or did he see something of value in the tax collectors and sinners? That same thing Jesus saw in tax collectors and sinners is a person that's created in the image of God but has lost his way to manifest the life of God. And you never see that manifestation. But Jesus knows it's there. And when you and I are manifesting Christ, we're also able to see other people in his, the way he sees them. And we're able to discern whether we're seeing the life of God or we're just or discerning whether we're seeing the flesh, which is actually obvious. And we don't fellowship with the flesh, but we recognize that 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 person, that flesh person died on the cross in, in the eyes of God. Just like Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. That's what Jesus was fellowshipping with. The life of God that's in every person but some people never manifest it but it's has the potential to be to brought to life at any moment to blossom right and it blossoms by hearing the good news that God can do for you what you could never do for yourself speaking for those people that the Pharisees ridiculed I'm sure I would have been in that camp that they looked at me and saw the manifestations of my flesh 
part of the manifest part of the spirit is being able to see the spirit in other people too even when it's not manifesting you know it's there and what you do is you wait on the Lord to get that manifestation out of them too so judgment goes out the door when you understand whether someone's manifesting the flesh or manifesting the spirit if someone's manifesting the flesh that doesn't mean they are the flesh that means say that again when someone's manifesting the flesh that doesn't mean they are the flesh or they don't they don't mean that's their identity that's why your identity in in Christ is so important if anyone be in Christ he is a new creation all this is from God who reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation so we can make our appeal to other people through God's we can say look God is not mad at you God paid for all your sins and just believe that and then once they do they when they when they feel reconciled to God as opposed to living as an enemy of God as the Pharisees would have them believe they'll come to the light and Jesus said that in John 3 right mm-hmm. he said those who practice the truth those who practice the truth meaning you are a new creation his life does abide in you they'll come to the light but the person that's struggling and thinking it's on them to produce to manifest it's in their own human effort or their own phariseeism to produce they won't come to the light because they know they'll be exposed and I had that fear all the time just the fear of people are going to I'm going to be exposed that I really don't shine with the spirit's brightness as I want people to think and the answer was not try harder (laughs) no no it it seems to be the answer on TV I I heard it this morning twice before we started this podcast I, I listened to two different sermons and they were both on try harder rededicate oh I heard a lot of rededication I did rededicate oh man did I go up that down that aisle to rededicate myself again and again and again and again and you know what each try not one try ever got any better than the time before I just always failed miserably until finally I learned that's what trying again is supposed to teach me that I'm just going to fail and that I should rest and wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord to what? Manifest himself. That's the essence of our new covenant is all about manifesting. That's why Bill and I can point to so many verses that are talking about the subject and we can see different ways in which Jesus and the apostles spoke about each nuance of this topic and how all the nuances fit together and they paint a picture and the picture is the good news that God is in you to do for you what you can't do for yourself and God 
Jesus is in you and Jesus is always going to please God and you are going to get an A for the day or an A for your life because all God will ever see is what Jesus did through you and everything will be good and I, I just hope everybody can can get a handle on what we're trying to say. Don't hide a, a buy. Should be a bumper sticker. <laughs> that was good, Bill. Don't hide but a buy. Is there any point, Steve, that you should tell someone you need to start abiding? But wait, wait. You've done a lot of bad things. Maybe we need a a trial run or some accountability give let's let's give you a accountability partner for six months then you can start abiding you need parameters bill boundaries and parameters yes yes see uh, none of that stuff is necessary you can start abiding immediately it all sounds fine sounding but it is it lacks any value in restraining the sin guy that dwells in your human nature. I like the way it's put in Colossians. Don't let anyone take you captive. And that word there is like stolen. Mm -hmm. Don't let anyone steal you with fine sounding arguments that have the appearance of wisdom, but they lack any value whatsoever at restraining the sin, sinful nature and sinful indulgences. An accountability partner will not hold you. Are they easy to hide from or what? Yeah. <laughs> Tell them what they want to hear. Yeah. All you got to do is say, yeah, I did great last night. Accountability partners are easy to fool, easy to avoid. I stopped smoking. Yeah, yeah. And drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you can you can hide from them. Yeah, they, they don't work. Nothing works but manifesting. It's the only thing that works. And thank God they don't work. You know what would happen if they worked? Mm -hmm. You'd be enslaved to those principles the rest of your life instead of abiding in Christ. They keep you from ever abiding in Christ. Now I better I better stick with these principles. They've done me well. It is a beautiful thing that to think that you are the instrument or the vessel that God uses to accomplish his will throughout the ages. He uses Jesus inside of you, and you are that jar of clay that Jesus is inside of. And it's a beautiful thing to wake up every day thinking thoughts about being the vessel and what a privilege that is and how you can have God manifest himself through you and you can experience it. That is a beautiful Christian life. That is cool. That is cool. And when you go over to a friend's house that you know the man or woman needs some encouragement and you can go over there and bring Jesus to do that encouraging for you, just go over there and watch Jesus say what needs to be said. It's just a beautiful thing to wake up every day saying, I'm the vessel of God. I'm the vessel of God. 
but we hope you guys are realizing that you you are the vessels of God and you are privileged to be those honorable vessels as Romans 8 would say but for now Bill do you mind closing us in prayer no I, I don't I'll just remind us of the verse we started with. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the deliverance of the Lord. And Father God, that's our prayer. Teach us to abide in you. Teach us to wait quietly. Teach us to withhold our words and wait for your words. Teach us that, just give us this awesome manifestation of your life. It, it's actually, there's there's no formula to this. I wish there were, but there's not. It's just waiting. It's just abiding. It's just recognizing that we don't have what it takes to do the works of God. But your spirit does all the works and we can just rest and exchange our strength in you. Teach us this principle of abiding. Father God, I ask you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you guys. Sorry about the sound quality of last week's podcast. That was entirely my fault. But we love you guys. We love you guys. And good night. Good night, everybody.